Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose, noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, JJ Peterson. Hi, JJ. Hello, Don. JJ. Yes. Where's the beef? <laughs> At Wendy's? <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Today is the sixth of seven uh-huh. podcast series yep. on the seven-part story brand framework, and it's time to talk about failure. Failure, yes. What will your customers suffer? If they do not come to your brand. Yes. And so that's why I brought up Where's the Beef? Where's the Beef? Because if you don't go to Wendy's, you're going to get these tiny, puny little You get tiny, little punies, whatever. According to their Yeah, according to their thing. And you know what? There's a lot of beef in that uh, Wendy's burger. (laughs) But what they were doing is they were reminding customers everywhere of the negative thing that could happen to you. You know, we just went through uh, Super Bowl. I was curious because Bud Light went negative in attacking yes. their competitors. I'm very interested in analyzing that entire campaign. I don't know if we want to do it today, like the whole series. Well, but I'm curious because one of the yeah. things that we would say is you can't take it too far. Yeah. And I would say attacking your competition is yep. a risky move. And, yep. you know, those guys, you know, they're running out of rhythms they, they all the did time. It with they humor. know what they're doing. Yeah, they did it with humor, so that softens it a little bit. But they went They, they went pretty straight hard. straight up said, if you're not drinking Bud Light, you're drinking corn syrup. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually at a breakfast with a guy who had recently spent time with the president of Coca-Cola. Uh-huh. This was a politician. He was wondering whether to attack his opponent. Yeah. And he said, the president of Coke told me, if I attack Pepsi, Pepsi lessens sales. And then Pepsi attacks me, and Coca-Cola lessens sales, reduces sales. And Coca-Cola attacks Pepsi, and Pepsi goes down, and so on and so on. And the only winner is RC Cola. <laughs> 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 and I've always remembered that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think politicians sometimes have to go a little bit. Yeah. You know, when they get desperate, they feel the need to do that. But it's a careful move. Yeah. More importantly, though, if you don't do it, something massive is missing well, if you don't campaign. speak about failure, not attacking your no, 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 opponent, not attacking your right, yeah, right. yeah. If but you if you don't, don't speak about what your customer is going to miss out on if they don't do business with you, then you're missing something in your marketing. You are because there are no stakes, and it yep. would be the equivalent of Liam Neeson being in a movie about trying to rescue his daughter, and she's strapped to a bomb. And 30 minutes into the movie, the cops call Liam and say, "Listen, terrible news. She is strapped to a bomb. However, the bomb is full of baby powder, <laughs> yeah. and we know that when it blows up, it's going to get baby powder in her hair." <laughs> And she's probably going to sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's 90 minutes of Liam Neeson disarming a bomb. Yeah, not a good story. Not a good story. No. Because you remove the stakes from the story. Yes. Now, here's the test. Yeah. If you are listening to my voice and you run a company or you have a vision that you want to propagate into the world, yeah. and you cannot name the thing that your customer will miss out on if they don't do business with you, you're not clear on this. Yeah. The pain that they're going to avoid. The pain that they're going to avoid has to be clear and it has to be articulated yeah. in your message in your marketing message if you overdo it yeah now here's the reality and i talk about this in the book building a story brand there's some studies that have been done that at some point mm-hmm. you will check out if the message is too negative yes for instance if you go to the doctor and they say listen you got high blood pressure you got to deal with this you know i'm thinking about it over a slice of pizza an hour later yeah. right yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a point that your brain doesn't like messages that are too negative. And so there are sly well, ways it's around that, it. <laughs> it's that, I mean, we all know that Sarah McLaughlin commercial, right? Oh my I mean, gosh, like I one, jumped for the remote the control. I am leaping over the couch. I, I've wrecked three Ottomans just getting to the remote to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we all know. Now, here's the thing. The first time you saw it, most people, the first time they saw it, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so. But when you start seeing it over and over again, and they're kind of pushing it at you again and again, it becomes very heavy handed and we turn it off. Well, it, it, you know, heavy handed manipulation maybe these are realities. I'm a dog lover, so that's a big thing right yeah. to my heart, right? But there are realities that I just say, I don't want to know yeah. 
because I can't fix it. And so you've got to be a little bit careful yeah. about how you use this stuff. We talk about in the framework that like if each of the buckets of the framework that we've been talking about this first seven weeks, each of these individual messaging points, if they represent ingredients in making a loaf of bread, success is flour. We want cups and cups, cups of flour, cups which of we'll it. talk about next week. But failure is just salt. You need it in the recipe, otherwise the bread tastes horrible. Right. But if you put cups of salt in the bread, it's going to taste horrible too. And that's how you want to view failure is when you're talking about failure in your customer story, you need to identify what it is, what pain they're going to avoid, what thing they're going to lose by not doing business with you, time, energy, money, stress, that's going to continue. All their problems are going to continue if they don't do business with yeah. you in the story. However, you can't hit it over and over and over again. It's just a little bit of salt in the recipe. It goes way further than flour. Oh, yes, yes. Because we want to, we talked about this with problems, is you actually want to avoid pitfalls, right? We're conditioned to avoid pitfalls. We want to avoid pain. So when you discuss failure, what you're talking about is how people can avoid that type of pain. Right. And it's interesting in like, you know, some of the research behind it, even in, you know, my dissertation stuff, I ran across an article that talked about how healthy relationships, hmm. they need both positive and negative interaction. There has to be some conflict in a relationship, husband and wife, partners, you have to have a conflict in relationship a little bit. However, you have to have five positive interactions compared to one negative. In order to have a healthy in relationship. In order to have a healthy relationship. And I would imagine because the negative is just reality. Yeah. But, you know, life needs steaks. Yeah. And your story does too. And you're yeah. right. It works like a recipe. We had a chili cook-off in our, uh -huh. in our, and I put too much tomato paste. We had a company oh. chili cook-off. And here's what happened. Yeah. It tasted like tomato soup. And I said to Betsy, I've ruined this. I've absolutely <laughs> ruined it. Like, it tastes like tomato soup. I was the one entering, not Betsy. Yeah. She was trying to be quiet because she knew how to fix everything. And she said, okay, just a spoonful of baking soda. It takes off the acidic nature of the... Uh -huh. And you want to think about your marketing in the same yes. way. You want to yes. say, hey, this is too much failure. Okay, you're going to have to back that up. It's Let's increase acidic. the success. Yep. And that's one of the things about our framework. Our framework is a scientific formulaic based on 2,000 years, based mm -hmm. on psychology framework. But at some point, it turns into an art. Yeah. And you have to be more subjective mm -hmm. in how you control it. But if you don't have failure, it's not going to work. Now, the yeah. question is, how do you get failure into the recipe? Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. And that's where our guest today, Matthew Ford, comes in. Yeah. Matt is a friend. He is yeah. CEO of OA Experiential. And here's what he does. He does experiential marketing. Yes. So he actually creates marketing experiences for huge brands, Hulu, NBC, yeah. CBS, yep. a bunch of television stuff. The list goes on and on. He's working with Harley Davidson right now. Yeah. You know, marketing is, you know, it's on Facebook, it's on TV, it's on radio. But if you actually have an event, he yeah. can create an experience yeah. that people walk through and interact with. They will never, ever, yeah. ever forget yeah. your brand. I haven't told you this. I'm going to try to intern for him this summer at Comic-Con. Like, because he puts in on? the huge installations. He's got like three installations huge at Comic-Con. Huge installations. On, and, and so I've been like working that angle. I'm going back. I used to go to Comic-Con every year. I'm going back this year. And I'm I'm, and you're gonna intern, I'm an intern for him. We're going to have so. to do a, a report from the field. Yeah. He's going to have some passes for you. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these experiential things he does at Comic-Con. And the idea is to get people to interact with your brand and yep. never let them forget. So he's actually working all seven parts of the framework. But the reason I wanted Matthew to come on was because as he creates these live human experiences, and we're going to talk about some of those in the interview because yeah. they're crazy. As he creates these things, one of the things that he told me as an aside was, Don, we want to trigger people's fear of missing out. Mm. That if mm -hmm. they don't 
buy this or yeah. watch this show or engage this brand or pick up this new Harley Davidson line of scooters yep. or whatever, they are missing out. And that is what, exactly what we mean by failure. Yeah. It's picking that one thing that if you don't do this, yeah. you're going to miss out on something. Yep. And I thought it was a fun interview because it's not a you know about writing email copy or websites or all the stuff that, that you and I do all yeah, the yeah. time. It's this crazy Experience. experiential yeah. marketing. And we actually get into some of the nuts and bolts of it here in a minute. But the controlling idea of this episode is you've got to be able to articulate what you're rescuing people from, yep. what you're saving people from. The trouble that they're going to experience without you is this. Yep. And then you want to write that down and you want to repeat it enough times that people know, okay, I don't want that to happen to me, so yep. I'm going to call this brand. And that's got to be one of the seven messages in your marketing. Each of these first seven episodes of 2019, we're covering the seven messages that need to be in your marketing, and that is one of them. But anyway, also, if you pay attention, I'm going to tell you one thing that you've got to do that relates to this. One thing that you got to do to make more money. If you do this, you'll make more money. I'm not going to tell you until after the interview, but right now, I want you to meet my friend, Matt Ford, CEO of OA Experiential. Matt Ford, good to talk to you. Don, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Before you explain kind of why you do what you do, or we're going to talk about failure and how you've got to basically make people afraid to miss out on something in order to do business with them, and you have some experiential ways of doing that. But first, tell me, what did you do for Comic-Con? Hulu hired you yep. to get people to watch more of their shows. So you rented a space outside of Comic-Con, and just tell our audience what you did. We actually did multiple events at Comic-Con. We did Hulu, NBC. We were also involved with Fox and FX. Hulu hired us to build out a nine-room bed and breakfast for the show Castle Rock. To illustrate the show Castle Rock? Like people could walk through essentially some of the scenes that are in the show? Yep. We were involved with Castle Rock. Basically think of it as a fully immersive haunted house. We had actors, we had all sorts of crazy, weird experiences happening throughout that were all tied back to the show. And for those of you who have never seen Castle Rock, it's basically an homage to Stephen King. So kind of creepy, not really my speed, but you know, it was actually, still very fun. But this wasn't a warehouse where you set up some smoke and mirrors. You built a house. Yeah, we built it from the ground up. You built a house with timber and you tore it down a week later. The front facade was timber, but then we use a lot of so a lot of tricks to the trade behind the scenes, a lot of, you know, rock and roll truss that we use and hang lighting and blacking out the ceiling, things like that. So you also had a car that you cut in half and you put it in a fountain as though the car had dive bombed into the fountain. Is that part of that same? Yeah. If you watch the very first episode, you'll know exactly what that's from. So, yes, <laughs> we did do that. And the point of that for your customer is they would have a unforgettable experience with this show and want to go back and watch it, one, watch it again, two, talk about it to their friends to get other people to watch it, and to associate Hulu with serious, serious upscale advertising and marketing, experiential marketing. Absolutely. And the, don't forget the digital component. Social media is king when it comes to people chatting about it. So social chatter is highly monitored to track ROI and things like that. How did you encourage people to Instagram about it and tweet about it? How did that part work? It's a pretty common thing in our industry is photo experiences. So as long as people are taking photos and then sharing them and providing the hashtag, then you can track that. And that's usually how we're able to justify the big spend. It's how we justify, you know, we're able to monitor the reach that it's had, which has been 
really, really helpful. Yeah. And those all succeeded really well. Did you collect email addresses? We collect email addresses and, you know, it's kind of to go back and forth on how much data you want to collect from a consumer because, you know, you don't want it to take too long. So usually it's just an email and a name and gender. Right. But part of it is Hulu can continue to reach out to these folks. Correct. You also do sort of mobile marketing experiences. You can actually retrofit a big trailer. Tell me about some of the more mobile things that instead of people, you know, buying a booth at a trade show, let's, let's just face it, that doesn't work very well anymore. No. You've got to up your game a little bit, and it doesn't have to be more expensive than it would cost you to, you know, have a booth at a trade show. Tell me some of the things you've done in the more small range mobile marketing. Sure. The stuff we've done in the past is have a barbershop. If you wanted to do a partnership with Schick or Gillette or something like that. Right. We did a mobile truck for workaholics in the past. What does a mobile truck for workaholics mean? There was a TV show called Workaholics. Oh, gotcha. And we gave out free brownies. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, there's so many ways that you can connect with consumers and doing it mobily is cheap. You have a one-time upfront cost. You take it around the country and you're hitting hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, I looked at a bid that you created for our friend Joel Searby, who's in politics. He runs political campaigns. Yeah. And it was all under 20 grand, or about 25 grand, wasn't it? Totally. And you were actually going to retrofit a trailer yes. with video equipment so people could sit down, photo booth style, and record answers to questions, capture them digitally put them into a directory, and it was all under $25,000, the physical hardware of the trailer included. That's correct. That is unbelievable. That's your Facebook ad spend for a month. It's amazing, yes. I'm a huge proponent of experiential marketing. That's why I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the new frontier. It's where not a lot of people are right now, and it's going to happen for the next 10 to 15 years and further. StoryBrand is exploring it. I'm dying to do something. We want it to be awesome. Yeah. So we actually brought you in to go to our conference just to give us a bunch of ideas. And you had a bunch <laughs> of great ideas on that, too. I'm not going to share any of those here because our competitors listen. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk to you about, you know, some of the gist of when you're actually designing an experience. People don't, I mean, sometimes they go to you and say, we want to create this experience. A lot of times what they do is say, hey, we just want to connect with our customers. So you have a group of thinkers that you sit around with and you say, okay, what is their objective? What do they want to do? Do they want to get email addresses? Do they want more people to watch this television channel? What do they want? And then how can we create an experience that rocks people's minds and makes them want to buy this product? And one of the facets that's interesting to me that we want to talk about in this episode of the podcast is failure. And that is, as part of the recipe, and I re literally mean recipe like you're throwing things into the stew, as one of the ingredients of the stew, we talk about the importance of salt. If you use too much salt, it doesn't work. If you use too little salt, it doesn't work. you got to use the right amount. When we're talking about a marketing recipe, failure is salt. You've got to have people afraid, to some degree, not to buy your product. If you overdo it, you'll ruin the recipe. But if you don't include it, there are no stakes in the story and people are not going to engage the story. One of the things that you guys find very important as you create these experiential marketing systems and experiences is making people afraid they're going to miss out. Yes. Especially when you are talking about entertainment. There's this sort of herd mentality that when enough of the herd starts moving in a direction, everybody joins because it's just a survival mechanism. If you're left alone in the herd, you are going to be a victim to a predator. And I'm literally talking like deer and bison and all that. And so when you get enough people to say, I want to watch this show, a lot of people don't even care about the show, but they don't realize they're giving into a herd mentality to go watch this show. And it's a survival mechanism. They're literally sitting down to watch a show on Hulu 
in order to survive and associate with a tribe. It's just freaking fascinating. Yes. You're the one of the marketers who actually create these kinds of experiences. I know you did it for NBC, yeah. and you did a fascinating one during the World Series for Adidas. Tell me what you did for NBC and how you would make people sort of afraid to miss out. Sure. So I think it's important to talk quickly. You know, Don, when you talk about failure, I felt a ton of resistance to talk about failure with my clients. I was nervous that I was being manipulative. I was nervous that I was like forcing them to go down a now, path. Now, this is you you trying to get a client to do business with you. Correct. You personally were afraid to bring up failure, Correct. to bring up the fact that you're going to lose business unless you do business with me. Yes. Just you as a business owner were afraid to do that. It's really through our friendship that I said, no, you got to do it. A hundred percent. And when we pitched NBC, we kind of pitched twofold the failure. Number one, we wanted to pitch their potential failure that number one, NBC needs to stand out. They need to rise above the clutter. They have more competition than ever in the history of media. NBC, which used to be one of the three major networks, is now competing, who would have thought it, with Amazon Prime. Exactly. For eyeballs. Yes. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So you're saying you guys are going to go under and be diluted and be the equivalent of all these other brands unless you do something different. Correct. And on top of that, so our solution to that was let's create an experience that was so amazing that those who weren't able to attend had a tremendous fear of missing out. <laughs> In creating the actual marketing experience, you wanted people who didn't get in to feel like they missed out. 100%. That was part of it. Yes. Which any club promoter will tell you it's part of the recipe. It is. What's really fascinating about the NBC project, for example, so we built a massive experience for the TV show The Good Place at Comic-Con. I've been involved in that space for the last nine years, building experiences for NBC at Comic-Con. It was hands down the best experience they've had, and so much of it had to do with, for some reason, there was this groundswell of just the social media went crazy. About the good place. About the good place at Comic-Con, yes. They pulled the data, NBC did, and there was a spike during the week of Comic-Con and the week following for viewership of the good place. It actually moved the needle for NBC. One event in San Diego moved the needle nationally. Correct. Yeah, it's hard to buy that kind of actual measurable difference in audience reaction. What we're really talking about, Matt, is creating scarcity. Yes. When we talk about failure in the story brand framework, creating a sense of scarcity is enormous. It's huge. When you create an experience, how do you create a sense of scarcity? Do you limit the number of tickets available? What all do you do? What are the tricks of the trade? Yeah. I mean, there's multiple ways you can do it. A lot of times we'll do like a pre-registration. And if you don't make the pre-registration, you're not invited. So we'll build a microsite where people can register to get into the experience. And we always oversell it because, you know, there's always some attrition. Yeah, just like airlines. Yeah, exactly. So you always oversell it. Another trick of the trade is just always keeping a line out front. I know that sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> keeping it long. How do you keep it long? Do you only let a certain number of people in at a time and that kind of thing? Yeah, it's probably very similar to a club promoter, similar type of approach. The biggest piece, though, is just as much content as we can capture from inside the experience and also getting people inside to create their own content from inside the experience and share that, then it creates this like, oh my goodness, my friend is at this once in a lifetime experience tonight and I'm not there. Give me one thing that you do inside the experience to make somebody want to take a picture, put it on Instagram and make their friends wish that they were there. Sure. So I don't know if you watched The Good Place, but- We've seen a couple episodes, thought it was really funny. Yeah, it's very bizarre and there's some really funny humor to it. 
inside the good place, we built a giant inflatable ladybug that was on a track that crawled over the top of one of the buildings. I mean, <laughs> the number of people who took photos of that experience, they were freaking out. They loved it. We also built a, a shrimp carousel ride. You built a carousel with shrimp on it and people could get on the shrimp. That's correct. I mean, I did not personally <laughs> build it, but we had it built. Right. And the number of shares that that carousel got, you would, I mean, it's insane. So the fact that we were able to generate that much buzz just from a few little fun things on the inside that weren't that expensive to the overall, I mean, when you consider the overall build that we did, those two things were the highlight and people were going nuts over it. And that's worth all the money it cost NBC and Hulu and all that because they're getting those kinds of social shares. Yes. Okay. In terms of creating scarcity, fear of missing out, getting people to stand in lines, talk to me about Adidas because this was genius. Sure. We partnered with a content agency. I want to give them some credit here called Lake Retreat. They're up in Portland. And we worked with them to basically create these two vending machines, one in LA and one in Boston. And we had no idea where the World Series was going to be until you know, three days before, basically. Right. So it was a mad scramble to ship these things out. We had them made in Ohio. They were vending machines that had what in them? So they had custom Adidas swag. So Stuff you can't get at the store. Yep. So World Series sweatshirts. There were signed baseballs. Not only did you have to get the vending machines made in Ohio and shipped to the right city with only three days notice because you don't know who's in the World Series, did you have to have special World Series sweatshirts made in that time and get them into the vending machine? Yeah, so what they did is they kept the sweatshirts and the t-shirts generic enough, but then once they knew that it was going to be LA and Boston, they had, custom, no joke, I don't know how they did this, but they had special shoes, blue for LA and red for Boston, that were given out on the very last day. Wow. LA got a set of shoes and Boston got a set of shoes. And the way that they gave all this out was, some of the Adidas-sponsored athletes, whenever they did something really great, in like if they hit a home run or if they pitched a strikeout, then there would be a secret code that would go out on social media through Adidas Baseball. And if you had the code, you ran out, got in line, and you could basically punch in the code to the vending machine and win your free swag. Okay, so you designed this experience, created it, implemented it. You got to be wondering sometimes, okay, is this going to work? Is this going to get a great return? for my customer. And what happened when you pulled up on the area where your vending machine was in Los Angeles? I'm not joking. The line was three blocks long. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> and now people are taking a picture of the line and they're taking a picture of their shoes they got out of the vending machine and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is how I'm going to promote my next book. <laughs> JJ and I, we're co-writing a book called The Story Brand Marketing Checklist. You've heard it here first. JJ and I are going to get inside of a vending machine together. And we're going to hand, I love that. Hand people I think you should book. do that. <laughs> JJ's going to kill me for even saying that. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, Don. With our industry, there's always that part right before you go live where you're like, oh, man, I really hope this works. But for the most part, if it's stunty enough, if it's creative enough, and like you said, if it does create scarcity, you're going to have a tremendous outcome. That's usually what we're dealing with. I'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Matthew Ford in just a moment. 
If you want to redo your marketing, you've been listening to these episodes and you're saying, we've got to redo the whole thing. We've got to redo our website. We need a sales funnel. We need a lead generating PDF. We need to capture email addresses. Then we need to email people. Then we need to ask people for the sale. All of that can take a long time. And you're probably thinking, man, I'm just not a marketer. Well, we actually certify existing marketers. That is, we make sure they know what they're doing. They're good at what they do. They come, they spend four days with me in a room. And then we test them with a massive assessment at the end. And then we start educating them after they get certified. We send them every week more and more information about what marketing works. We certify them to do your marketing for you. That is to create a sales funnel for you that will work. And our certified guides are listed at clarifyyourmessage.com. That's clarifyyourmessage.com. If you want to overhaul your marketing and you want it done right, according to our framework, which is the best way to overhaul your marketing, go to clarifyyourmessage.com and hire one of our trusted guides. Clarifyyourmessage.com and start overhauling your marketing today. The reason that you're creating a sense of scarcity, the reason that you're sort of explaining the negative consequences that could happen to somebody unless they buy your product is because it completes a story arc. The villain has to be able to actually hurt somebody in order for it to be important to kill the villain. Right. And so if your brand isn't rescuing somebody from something, if your brand isn't saving somebody from experiencing the antithesis or the opposite of a, an obligatory or climactic scene, then your brand is meaningless. What everybody's trying to do is avoid pain. They're all trying to survive. And there has to be a coyote in the woods that's going to come in and get you in order for the survival mechanisms to all be turned on. But what we're really talking about is creating emotional human experiences. So it's one thing for my doctor. By the way, doctors need to listen to what Matt is saying because you tell me, first of all, I don't have high blood pressure, but you can tell me that I've got high blood pressure. And like everybody else in this country, you can't feel it. So you don't care. You've got to create a way to make people experience something that makes them think about high blood pressure. So everybody needs to understand this. This stuff not only sells products, it can save lives. Yeah. When you go in to create an experience, and I know that part of this, Matt, is even though you're a great businessman, you're a logistical thinker, and you're awesome at this stuff, you also have to be a bit of a composer of experience. You have to understand... How much of that is intuition? How much are you just saying, okay, if the ladybug comes over the top of this thing, people are really going to be freaked out? Are they going to be amazed? Are they going to be, when they turn the corner in this quote unquote haunted house and they see this, they're actually going to have a surprise laugh. How much is the human up and down experience? How important is that for a brand to guide a customer through? I think it depends, but. I would say that the most impactful experiences that I've gone through or the most impactful experiences that we have created were very much curated from every single step of the way. You are guiding them as a director. You're guiding them through a story. Yes. The whole time. We will bring on sometimes, Don, what are called immersive creators, people who will come alongside of us who have a ton of experience in this world, and we will work together to say, okay, we know that they are going to start here. And we've got to get them to here. Help us fill in the gaps. So do you start by saying, hey, we want these people to walk out of this experience choked up because they're sentimental about their mom and how wonderful she was. So you start there and you say, now, okay, now we've got to reverse engineer this process. Yes. I mean, we had to do this for the good place. It was literally three acts. Really? Yeah. You did this had, in a three act structure? We Listen did. Listen to you. We did. You and Plato. <laughs> the people, when they came in... 
They had an RFID bracelet on their wrist. What's that? RFID is what? It's radio frequency identification. Okay. Something rather. Yeah. And it basically tracks wherever you are within the space and you scan it at certain spots. It'll collect your data there. You can use it for collecting photo ops because you will fill out a form before you even put your bracelet on that has all your information stored within that bracelet. Okay. So whenever you move throughout the space, you scan your bracelet and it knows that you've been there. And then we did a series of questions for people. So if you showed up to one guy, he was in there, he was an actor, you scanned your bracelet, he would ask you a series of ethical questions and score you. Depending on your score, you were either a good person or a bad person. So we were literally judging people as we moved them through I'm the sure space. there were people who were giving answers that might not be true just so they can have a different kind of experience, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, just to have fun. Yeah, everyone was actually given a fake identity. Wow. So we assigned them a fake name, the whole thing. Gosh, that just sounds like a blast. It sounds like you're walking inside of a choose-your-own-adventure or choose-your-own-ending or whatever. Exactly. And then eventually... Based on the show, what we ended up doing is just creating chaos within the space, which is when the ladybug came over. Ariana Grande has a song on the show that they all refer to. Ariana Grande's song started blasting, and then we just forced them out of the space. And that's how the experience ended. (laughs) And then you put a whole new group of people in. Yep, 40 people at a time, just pushing them through every 12 minutes. And then, of course, you got a line around the block because it's 40 people for 12 minutes, and now 700 people want to get in, and that's another photo opportunity. And you're the guy who's walking around going, okay, how can NBC get more out of this? How can NBC get more out of this? How can NBC get more out of this? Yes. That's fantastic. Okay. A lot of people are kind of blown away and they're saying, okay, that's great. I don't have multi-millions of dollars, but it doesn't have to be that expensive as we addressed earlier. Tell me about what an experience that you guys didn't create, but it was something that you really admired that was very inexpensive. And you told me about something that State Farm did. I think it's genius and I wish I would have thought of it. But So State Farm set up a little experience at Bonnaroo and all they did Don was hand out free toiletries and anything that a camper might have forgotten so that they could have the stuff that they needed that's nice that sounds like a real charitable thing and a nice thing for State Farm to do but they embedded a message into the generosity which was what in your opinion well it was two things it's like we're here when you need us right and we'll help you if you're unprepared (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing it is just genius you're talking about thousands of dollars yes you turn off your facebook ad for a couple days and you do that and you have a much much i'm telling you man we've all got to get really smart about our marketing because it's changing and it's competitive and it's not as hard as we think it is it's really about being empathetic and thinking about our customers totally you know we don't do this very many times but i've got to do it with you Mainly because Bethany, my customer service person, will kill me if I don't do this. Okay. They go to what website to find out about you and your company? So we're called OA Experiential, and the website is www.oaexp.com. OAEXP.com. Yep. Matt Ford, you're a genius, and I'm so grateful for you. OAEXP.com is where he's at. Find out more there. We've all got to up our marketing game. First of all, this stuff pays for itself. So you pay Matt, and then you get a ton of money, and return but then your whole staff loves you because you were creative and fun they want to be a part of something different so give them that gift as well matt thanks for coming on thanks don jj so many ideas comic-con here (laughs) (laughs) he said his team is so creative yeah i'm curious is how do we make our you know everything that we do 
more interactive. Because I think experience is so... Yeah. One of the things we say is, stop telling your story, start inviting people into a story. Yes. And this idea of inviting people physically yeah. into a physical space yeah. where they just deeply connect with your brand and never forget you yeah. is huge. And so again, he is at OAEXP, OAEXP.com. He's not a paid anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, Matt's no. just a friend. But he's just on to something over there. So if you want to incorporate that into whatever you're doing, that experiential marketing piece, please do it. I promised that I would give one thing that if you did this, you'd make more money. Money, 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 money. This is not just a philosophical thing. It's something you actually physically need to do. Send an email to everybody on your email list. If you don't have an email list, read my book and start over at the beginning. (laughs) If you don't have an email list, you need to do that. But if you have an email list, send out an email in the next 10 days. They give you 10 days to do this. The subject line needs to be, don't suffer from X anymore. And not X. Not, not X, the, yeah. Not don't the don't say X. X yeah. It's whatever it is that you're rescuing people <laughs> don't from. Don't suffer from your X anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're at a dating service, <laughs> yeah, then, exactly. there you go. That's, That's actually perfect. Yeah. You can use that. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be don't suffer from. And just that's a perfect little pinch of salt in the recipe. And then write an email saying a lot of people are struggling with this and you don't have to. And then make it all positive from there on. Yep. A lot of people struggle with this and they don't have to, and then everything else is positive. So it's cups and cups of flour. You start with that pinch of salt. Yep. And you know, the real idea behind failure is what is the opposite of the obligatory or climactic scene in your customer story? So in story structure, we would say the climactic scene is when Daniel wins the karate tournament, beats the bully, and the karate kid gets crowned champion. Yeah. The climactic scene is when King George delivers the speech without stuttering. And, you know, contributes to this fight against the Nazis, this allied fight against the Nazis. On and on and on. What is the opposite? Well, the opposite is Daniel loses the karate (laughs) tournament and he goes down. The opposite is King George stutters and gives up halfway through the speech and runs out of the room in a tantrum. Those are called tragic endings to a story where the guy doesn't get the girl or the person dies or whatever. Those are foreign films. (laughs) Those are are called French films. (laughs) And you want to paint a picture of that in your customer's head so that they avoid it. Yep. And they head toward the other picture that you've painted, which is the climactic scene, the successful scene where all the termites are to their house or they have a new roof and it doesn't leak or they're in a dating relationship that they really like or they've lost 20 pounds or whatever. You have to season it with the opposite. Send out one email. And also a call to action at the end of that email, asking them to place an order and call me. Give me 10% of the return (laughs) on that. No, I'm kidding. It's going to help you a lot. Listen, if you want to actually figure all this out in a room in 48 hours, come to Nashville, come to our live marketing workshop. You can register at storybrand.com and you'll leave with all seven messages written down, ready to populate your marketing. And you will have spent 48 hours and not all the 10 minutes here and five minutes here and three minutes here that you're spending right now. You're going to get it all done in 48 hours. Storybrand.com, register today. JJ and I will see you you in the room. Next week is our very last episode of this Uh series. This has been really fun. I've loved it. I have too. I wondered how it would go. Yeah. And it's been really fun. I mean, I think you can actually go back and listen to these seven episodes over and over and over again and make everybody on your staff listen to them. You're getting a really good cursory overview of the entire framework. It will change the way you do marketing and even, in many ways, the way that you do business. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.